You're listening to audio from Noest Anglican. If you'd like to find out more about us, visit noest.org. Well, hey, Noest, good to be with you. Tim Schooler and Paul Lucas here for the Going Deeper podcast this week. Paul, you've had your first Sunday preaching with us, your second Sunday with us in person, uh, and uh, preached throughout the day, questions and comments at all services, meeting hundreds of new people. You'd be forgiven if you're feeling a little bit tired this morning. It was a big day, mate, but I have to say it's a good tired. Yeah. I, I feel it was a good day and uh, we were blessed by God. So it was good to be there and meet lots of new people. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, we run the Going Deeper podcast because we really value going deep into God's Word. Uh, and so we like to ask a few questions of the preacher and have a conversation about that on um, yeah after the uh, the day of preaching. Uh, and Paul, you finished off our, um, our sermon series in Acts. Uh, not the easiest of tasks, finishing up a sermon series that you haven't heard the majority of, but you did a fantastic job and really faithful um, with that. Um, we are going to spend a bit of time in Acts 28 in, in the pod and, and ask a few questions that came up throughout the day. Uh, but first up, I'm interested in your reflections as a preacher. You've been doing this for a while now. Yeah. And uh, as you come to a new context to minister in, you've got a new um, flock to be a shepherd over, an under-shepherd under Christ, but mm. a shepherd over. Um, what? How much of the, the task of preaching is contextual and sort of and changes for the individual um, group that you're preaching to and how much of it is just the same? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think the things that are the same, if I could start there, is that the Word of God doesn't change um, and everybody needs to hear it, including the preacher. Um, so you need to be faithful to that. And and you as a preacher would understand this, Tim, that there's a weight that you that comes with that because it is the Word of God. It's that precious. Mm. And so that doesn't change. And and the other thing that doesn't change is the fact that these are God's people. Right? He cares and loves for them. In fact, he loves them so much he's called them back to himself. So that doesn't change because they are they are precious. Um, I've I've current, you know, recently moved. The context actually isn't that different, um, but there are things like you know uh, will the humour work here or um, what examples can I use? Uh, learning demographics in terms of um, mix of people. Uh, so I, I think there are things. I'll, I'll have to learn as I go along. Um, some things worked on the weekend, some didn't, <laughs> uh, and and we'll learn from that. But uh, but in my mind, the most important thing is that we're being faithful to the word, which you said, and uh, remembering that these are God's precious people. Yeah, uh, and I I, yeah, I noticed that uh, at Chapel Lane you included an illustration about uh, the guy who invented the continuous scroll <laughs> yes. uh, for socials. So. Um, there be a lot of people in the morning who don't know what the continuous scroll is, but I think everyone in Chapel Lane knows. So, um, yeah, you uh, you modelled that really helpfully for us. Uh, I suppose off the back of that, what, what was the thing in uh, in Acts twenty eight that was helpful for you personally in your in your prep? Um, what because uh, you said you know it's got to work on the preacher before you know, we, yeah we take it to our people. So what was what was helpful or encouraging or challenging for you? As I was looking at Acts twenty eight, yeah, yeah, I, I think this idea um, like. I, for me, Luke seems to be pressing this idea of Paul teaching the kingdom of God and persuading them about Jesus mm. and, uh, and and this idea that you have a kingdom but you can't have it without a king. And I I want people to know that, and I, but I'm also so moved by the fact that he's not just a distant king, I'm actually united to him. I think that really hit me uh, big time again as I was looking at Acts 28 that you, you don't get that anywhere else. Yeah. You know, that's a level of kindness and grace that we you just can't 
describe really, can you? I'm doing my best to do it, but uh, I think that was the thing that hit me again this time as I was preparing. Yeah, it's, it's one of the impossibilities of, of the, the job that we have, isn't it? Of this, we have, we're trying to describe something that's indescribable. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that's how Paul describes it in um, 1 Corinthians, right? That's right. The indescribable that's right. gift, yeah. That's right. Um, and so no, it's a good segue off that because the, um, this idea of, um, yeah, how good Jesus is and how good we have it and the acceptance that we have in the gospel. There was a comment from one of our, um, our ladies at uh, 10.30, I think it was. Um, I remember it was Sue who made the comment. Um, but she made this comment, uh, picking up something you mentioned in the sermon. Mm. So in the sermon you spoke about how uh, in the world – there is uh, everyone who there's there's plenty of preaching that yeah. happens. Everyone's sort of seeking to uh, to push their agenda around, and um, because they feel passionately about that. And you made the point really helpfully, I think, that one of the reasons for the um, the the passion in their preaching is because they're yearning for acceptance. Uh, I think uh, the uh, the way you placed it was that people want uh, us to know their plight and their desires so they'll be accepted. And Sue made the comment, do you think that we are sometimes lacking in zeal or, or our um, our preaching is less urgent because we are accepted? Uh, and I thought it was a really helpful comment. Yeah. And I wondered if you if that resonated with you and if you can um, elaborate on that for us. Yeah, it, it, did, it did resonate with me. And I actually spoke to Sue after and said thank you for the comment. Um, because I think we can. And I think maybe we, what we need to do is uh, think about this distinction between complacency and being content. Uh, I, I think being content doesn't make you necessarily complacent, but I'm content uh, that I'm accepted. And because I'm content with that, um, uh, it, it shouldn't stop my zeal. But I can become complacent, I think. And, and because I'm okay, we get that kind of I'm okay attitude, then it can stop us from doing more because we think we've got it all together. But I would like to like us to think that, you know, well, if God's been this good to me, I don't want others to miss out on that, you know, because as Christians we know uh, the judgment is to come. Yeah, and we know, well, we don't know fully what Jesus faced because we can never know, fully know the wrath of God, right? And Joel even says that in his uh, prophecy, who can, who can face this? Who can stand up to it? Well, if, if we know that then complacency should not set in because so, that's the other side of the coin. Contentment if that we're accepted but not complacent in letting others know about that. Yeah. I think that's a really helpful um, distinction to make between complacency and contentment because they don't, uh, yeah, as you say, contentment ought not uh, lead us to complacency. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it can if we're not careful. That's right. So I, think, I think that's very um, observant. Uh, another little um, uh relationship between two words that sound the same came up at Chapel Lane in one of our questions there. Um, the difference between accepting someone and agreeing with them uh, because you spoke about how the gospel uh, is inclusive, um, even though it divides. <laughs> uh, but there's there's a sense in which as Christians we want to be um, including and we want to be um, warm and all of those things. Uh, and yet we're not going to be agreeing with everyone who we come into contact with, mm. or should we? What's the relationship between accepting and agreeing? What's the balance there? Yeah, it was a good question, wasn't it? And 
and if you were there, well, who, those who were there last night, I was stumped and Jody was kind enough to give me some grace to think about it for a minute. Um, but as I've, as I've tossed it around overnight, uh, I think that um, what I was trying to get at last night is that we we will be bold and unhindered because we're accepted, not in order to be accepted. So because I'm accepted, that means that I can disagree with people from a different position. If I don't know that I'm accepted and it's something I'm trying to get, I'm disagreeing with someone to get my point of view across so that you'll accept me and we can get on with our lives mm. or accept my position. And we kind of, I think we, that develops into what we would call tolerance, mm. which is, but if I, come, if I disagree with someone from a point of view that I'm accepted, it means that I can disagree in a compassionate and loving way yeah. because I'm not seeking the same thing the person who I'm talking to is. I was going to say opponent, but I don't know if that's the right word. But I'm not coming from that angle where they are. Yeah. And so because I have that acceptance behind me, I can disagree with you but in a compassionate and loving way um, in order to help you see something new. And I think that might be a more helpful way of thinking about that. Yeah. Disagreement and acceptance. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think that's very helpful. Uh, the it, it's interesting when we when these words sort of th- are, th- are thrown around in our society. It's interesting to try and work out what what people mean by them. I think. Yeah. Yeah. When someone says they they want to be accepted, uh, what does that mean? And as Christians, we've got great resources to legitimately accept all people. Yeah. Yeah. We can we can validate. That they're created in the image of God, yeah. which is a far higher um, status of creation than the world has a category for. Yeah. We can uh, validate the the sense that um, we don't think we're better than them yeah. because sin is a great universal um, truth, and so there are there there's a posture that we have as a Christian that actually gives us good resources for a depth of acceptance yeah. towards others, and I think. Because I think our world often craves a surface level, um, like affirmation mm. is 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 what people often want. Yeah. And if you affirm me, therefore you accept me. Yeah. And I think as Christians, it's not always easy to get across, but our acceptance is deep in them as a person and as a creation of God. Mm. But because we have a desire to love and go sort of, you know, above and beyond in terms of surface-level friendship, mm. we say, I actually want to call you to something better and higher and greater. Yeah. And that means we're going to have some disagreement on some things that, that might be painful for you initially, mm. but we want to move beyond that to something better for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really helpful. And if I could add to that even, um, as a Christian, I can love you and disagree with you Whereas our culture would say, if you disagree with me, you hate me. Mm. But as a Christian, it's a, that's a, the opposite. So I can love you and disagree with you, yeah. but I can't. But if I'm not already know, know that I'm accepted, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. We um, sometimes with our, our, our teenagers, we um, we go through, we have a series of like character training sessions. Yeah. Um, and uh, just part of being a disciple. And one of them is about um, being empathetic. And we talk about the value of listening, and um, the uh, the activity that we do is to sort of imagine different scenarios and um, go. Can you learn from someone who's sharing with you? And you go, okay. Hmm. So your year nine science teacher is is teaching you 
you know, about biology. Can you learn in that instance? Absolutely, you can. Many teenagers won't in that instance, but that's another <laughs> question. But you know, it's, it's clear to go, yes, I can learn from that. And then you go, um, my, my friend is uh, telling me about something they're passionate about. Can you learn? Absolutely, you can learn about that. And that's going to help you to be a listener. Uh, and then if you have, uh, you've got someone who experiences gender dysphoria and they're right down um, you know, into a, a trans you know, world. And um, if they share with you, can you learn? Absolutely, you can learn in that. And you can learn with a way that says, I want to know more about what you're going through. I want to learn more about how I can love you as a friend. And you don't have to say, therefore, I agree with everything about you, but you can listen with a, with ears that say, I love you, I value, I accept you at that deep level and I want the best for you and I want to be a good friend to you. Mm. Um, and I think there's they're just better resources than what our world's got. Yeah, that's really great. And and even to the point where you're listening, saying actually the gospel has an answer for you as well. Yeah. Not that you have to spurt it out, yeah. but, yeah, that's really great. Yeah. So you do that with, sorry, my ignorance because I'm new. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what you do with the, the youth here. That's yeah, sort yeah, of first that's, oh, that's, that's brilliant. One of, one of the... Yeah, one of the things Great. we do in youth so ministry. Good. It's good. Um, yeah, that was uh, so. That was the question that stumped you on the day, wasn't it? The it accepting was, versus yeah. agreeing, but it was great. I, yeah. I, I Shout appreciate. out to Josh and Katie here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I appreciated the way that you handled that um, yesterday. Thanks, um, Paul. So I thought that was really good. Um, thinking about uh, reaching out to people who we we disagree with, um, and this is something that I'm sure many people will wrestle with when it comes to their personal evangelism. Um, how hard should we push those who we're in long-term relationships with, so with yeah, a non-Christian spouse or children or siblings who perhaps have grown up in the Christian church but have wandered away, those sorts of uh, things, or people who've married into the family and... Um, there's now sort of long-term relationship with them. How hard do we push uh, the kingdom of God in those relationships, knowing that the kingdom will divide? Mm. We don't want to push them away. Mm. Any wisdom for us in that? Yeah, it's a good question because when they're that close, they're the ones that pull at our heart the strongest, aren't they? Mm. I think there's two things to say. One is to be alert to opportunities. And I think God actually provides the opportunities. We don't have to force that. Um, because we meet people every day, I think that can be God providing opportunities. But I think of the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. And, and to me that's interesting because the Ethiopian's heading off to Ethiopia, right, and Philip's heading north. Now I'm thinking the distance between those two, surely there's someone else who's been, uh, you know, because people have left uh, Jerusalem, surely there's someone else. Why does God ask Philip? You know, so he provides Philip with this opportunity to speak to this man because he was the right person to do it. So one is be aware of opportunities uh, and don't back off from them. But I don't think force them either. The other thing that comes to mind, I think about 1 Peter 3, where, where Paul is encouraging Christian wives um, of unbelieving husbands. And he doesn't say, you know, bash them with the Bible, right? He says, be the person you are now are. Show them that you are loving and that you live your life a certain way and that's on display. And sometimes with our families we can get so um, so zealous about them knowing the gospel we forget to simply love them um, even at the times when they are unlovable. Yeah. And I think those sort of things can, can come up. 
But I'm not sure it's something I want to force. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose the other um, verse from uh, from 1 Peter is that idea of, you know, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you profess. It's almost like when it, when it does uh, arise in conversation or there's um, a, a clear sort of open door for you to step into, mm. be ready to take that. So yeah. don't be completely passive with it because you've got to have done some thinking beforehand about, you know, for me, my sister. I go, if my sister asks me a specific, like a question in this realm, how would I answer that? Mm. You know, I've got to be ready for that yes, opportunity. True. But I'm not going in every time I see my sister mm. going, you know, how can I be like aggressive in my evangelism? Because it, that's the sort of relationship where it is. It is, it, it is a bit of a long game. Yeah, it now, is a long game. Now, Anything could happen. So we, yeah. there's an, still an urgency to the gospel, but um, we're praying that'll be a long-term relationship and um, where prayers over many years, hopefully, that... Mm. Um, and people can get tired of us bringing up old things. Like if you've had a conversation and then the next time you see them, you bring it up again, oh, you know, there's an eye roll and that's a side eye, whatever they call it these yeah. days, um, going on. So we have to be careful that we're not just flogging yeah. a, a dead horse. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, a, a minister um, from another part of Sydney who his rule of thumb with his non-Christian family was that uh, he said, look, there'll be, uh, there'll be four times in the year where we have a conversation about Christianity and that just helped for them with his, that particular relationship set a certain ground rule that said uh, it's not going to be all the time but it's always sort of <laughs> possibly yeah, <laughs> on the agenda. Yeah. And I think that was for him, that found that mm. was helpful for for him to know he was being faithful. That it was, you know, something he was praying for and seeking. Uh, but his family member knew this is something we're going to talk about. But it's not the only thing we're going to talk about. We have a relationship outside of that as well. And so. that comes back to what you said about being prepared. Yeah. You know, when those opportunities do come, I think. I mean, this is really general evangelism um, speaking. But even in those situations, I think the best book, I've, still the best book I've read on evangelism, is called um, Questioning. Questioning Evangelism by Randy Newman. Uh, it's not questioning evangelism in the sense of should we be doing it. It's using questions to speak to people about the truth. And so when our family, rather than because we can just talk directly to them and it's comfortable, maybe being empathetic as you were talking about before or asking a question, what do you really mean by that or what do you think that achieves for you, those kinds of things are really helpful ways in as well to yeah. keep the conversation running. Yeah. No, that's helpful. Very helpful. Um, final question for us, Paul, as we jump into this, uh, yeah, as we uh, finish the discussion in our, our series in the book of Acts. Uh, and this is a question from the text. So in uh, chapter 28, verse 26 to 28, we hear, uh, we see that Paul um, uh, has a, a judgmental sort of posture towards the the Jews in a sense. And he says, look, there's a, there is a hardening on you and um, this is the, the, the fulfilment of Isaiah 6 to say that you'll be ever hearing but never understanding. And so then he says, therefore, verse 28, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. And so there's a sense in which Paul goes, I'm no longer evangelizing you guys. I'm putting my attention on the Gentiles, which is pretty radical and perhaps make us feel a little bit what do we think about that? Uh, but are there times where we should uh, accept the fact that someone isn't going to change and um, move on to others with our evangelistic efforts? Yes. I, it's a hard one to know. I think that um, I don't think 
I don't want to fall into a cancel culture with evangelism. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I've had enough of you, so I'm going to cancel you. If opportunities with those people still come, that's okay. Um, but, I, again, I don't think it's something we should force. And uh, and if there are people who are just – and even if, and often it's people they will pull away from you if they're not family particularly. And so it, it's okay. And if God creates another opportunity with someone else, be okay with that. I think the important thing – and we talked about this on Sunday. There was a gentleman – remember his name right now, I'm sorry, who made this great comment about, um, you know, we, we do what we can kind of thing. And we have this idea of planting seeds, you know, and if you've planted seeds with someone and you think, oh, they're a lost cause, you don't know in 10 years' time if they'll ring you up and say, I'm now a Christian. Thanks yeah. for all the time you put in. Yeah. You, we're not aware of that. So make sure your conversations are seasoned with salt and full of grace so that you're planting gospel seeds. Yeah. I think that's what God asks us to do. I think that's helpful. I think that's helpful. I, I know because I've had many uh, in my times in the footy club over the years and there's been like plenty of people who I've been sort of actively praying for and there's been the odd conversation here or there and there's been, you know, I, and I feel like I got to the end of it and I thought I've had a, I've had a crack at that. Yeah. And, and if on the last day they were to uh, pray that they're, they will turn and be saved, but if on the last day... They stand before the judge, uh, and uh, and God says, "Yeah, do, yeah, do you know that you, you know, did you come across someone who was a Christian?" Mm. I think they'd be able to look back and they go, "Actually, Tim spoke about that kind of stuff, and it's on them that they haven't That's taken right. it up." That's and right. so I still am yearning for opportunities, and I still pray for a bunch of people from those mm. um, from that club. But yeah, rightfully or wrongfully. Yeah. I got to a stage where I thought, like hand on heart, I've been I've been faithful with the evangelistic task there, yeah. and perhaps there's, you know, there's wisdom in um, putting my actively intentful uh, in, yeah, intents in uh, in evangelism in in other mm. areas. Can I ask you? You mentioned that you are praying for those people, which mm. is absolutely imperative. Mm. What do you pray? I pray. Uh, it's slightly different for different people. Um, because sometimes if I if I know they've had a Christian sort of upbringing, then I might pray that they will um, recognize what they've lost uh, in that, uh, and that's what I that's what I pray for. That's what I pray for my sister mm. um, that she'll recognize that that there's something missing in her life that she used to have. Mm. Uh, but for others, I, I'll show I'll I'll pray that God shows them their their need for forgiveness uh, and that their I remember the words that I necessarily use with this, but but a sense of which that they're a sense in which they'll they'll recognise that there's got to be more. Yeah, you know, show them the 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 smallness of their world mm. and the the yeah, confront them with with the Creator. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good for our people to hear particularly what we're praying for yeah. people and that sort of stuff. But I stumble in those prayers, you know. It's oh, I, don't, I don't have. I don't have the perfect prayer for those things. Yeah, or sometimes I have to confess myself and say, why, God, haven't you fixed this yet or done this or yeah. reached them yet? I know you can do it. Yeah. What's holding you back? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting what we pray, isn't it? Can I ask one more question? Please, here? yeah. Because you've had the privilege of preaching through this, being one of the preachers in this whole Act series, and I've listened to a couple of and really great teaching. Mm-hmm. What, what have you got out of the series? 
I think for me, I mean, often as a preacher, it's the passages that you preach that land most strongly yeah. with you. Uh, and so uh, I've seen coming up again and again this um, this sovereign, loving hand that God has over his church. Uh, and so that was I preached on um, the council in Jerusalem and I was that was – I was really struck by that, the sense that this is God's church. This is not the apostles' church. No. This is God's church and he is building it and he's, he's working in it. And so I have found that to be, yeah, I've seen that in other parts mm. um, of, the, of the book and that's been um, a real encouragement actually mm. for those of us who are in ministry. This is not us. <laughs> it's God who's doing Praise it. God. Praise God for that. <laughs> um, and then the other one was uh, last Sunday as, as Pete preached on courage, and the Lord Jesus coming and standing near Paul and saying, take courage, um, was be, was really helpful for me. And that uh, prompted, uh, again, to think about prayer. That prompted me to, to pray for courage with a specific relationship of a guy who I play golf with. Um, and, again, some of the teenagers and I, we were, they were praying for me and I was praying for them uh, that we'd have courage last week. And uh, I actually had a conversation with him on Friday, uh, this guy who I play golf with, and he um, shared that he was uh, – um, he's a 14 years recovering gambling addict, wow. so 14 years clean. Uh, but he, sh- he was sharing with me the, the depth of the struggle that he got into with his gambling, and um, there was a there was a, a few sort of Christian ministries actually that helped him in that time. And um, I wouldn't say he's particularly you know warm to the gospel as I spoke to him, but it the the courage to to ask a couple of questions, as you say, questioning evangelism. Um, actually means we've got a far deeper relationship now than we did because we got beyond the surface level for the first time. And so I'm praying that that will um, provide more opportunities. That's so good, man. Mm. And that was great, wasn't it, when Pete was talking about how Jesus was standing beside him. Yeah. Because there was a contrast in that passage too where I think Pete talked about it a bit where Jesus was standing amongst the Sanhedrin. Mm. It's actually the same word group. And so one of them smack him in the mouth because he speaks and the other one, Jesus said, I'm still here yeah. for you to speak. I, yeah. That was a great moment, yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for uh, sitting into the into the hot seat uh, <laughs> after your first sermon. Thanks for feeding us so well yesterday. Um, to those listening, it's, we'll have a, a short break for our podcast over the uh, after Thanksgiving and then our holiday series, and then we'll be back in for Isaiah in term four. So um, I'm looking forward to preaching Isaiah 40. I kick off the Isaiah series in term four, and uh, that is a beautiful, beautiful section of the Bible, passage. the second half of Isaiah, and uh, comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. I'm already getting excited about it. So, Am I allowed um, to be envious that you got that back? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, please, uh, to those out there have, uh, enjoy your, um, Thanksgiving this Sunday. We're looking forward to uh, being with you there. Uh, make sure you like, and subscribe to, uh, this podcast on your favorite podcatcher. So you're updated, uh, when it gets released and we'll see you in terms of podcasts, uh, in, uh, in a month or so. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Tim. Thank you for listening. If you found this resource helpful, we encourage you to connect with us at norwest.org.